Welcome to Beastly Theories. I'm your host, Eddie McGrath. Today we have Dennis Swift. Now, Dennis pastors the Church of All Nations in Portland, Oregon, and regularly guides group tours of South American archaeological sites. Uh, he's received his BA and Masters of Divinity from Point Loma Nazarene University and his doctorate from the University of South Africa. He pursued Indian studies at the University of New Mexico and Western New Mexico University. Dennis has pursued archaeological work in Peru, Bolivia, Mexico, Cambodia, Turkmenistan, Israel, and the American Southwest, and has traveled extensively in Peru. In particular, his investigation of the Ica Stones has intrigued me for some time. It's a real pleasure to welcome him to the show. Dennis, how are you? Well, I'm doing very well, thank you. That's, that's It's a joy to be with you. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a joy for me as well. Now, one of your books that really intrigued me, and I've, I've been aware of your work for a while, and I started following Don Patton some, some time ago, and um, I, I became aware of you through some of his talks and, and your expeditions together. And one of your very interesting books is called Secrets of the Ica Stones and Nazca Lines, uh, in brackets, proof that dinosaurs and man live together. So let's talk about proof of, of man and dinosaur coexisting. You know, what type of evidence is there to show us that man and dinosaur coexist or coexisted? Well, some of the evidence is petroglyphs, rock art carvings, and pictographs, rock art paintings. And there's at least 10 of those in different places. Uh, one of them in South America, in the Amazon. There is, uh, there's about four of them in Utah. There's one in Colorado and a few other locations. So you have uh, an Apatosaurus or Comasaurus. You have a uh, Pterosaur and uh, you have a duck-billed dinosaur and uh, something looks like an iguanodon. So those are some of the things that are on petroglyphs. As far as pieces of pottery and fabrics, there's about 40 pieces of pottery and fabrics uh, from the tombs in Peru, and they are amazingly anatomically correct, and uh, they predate some of the modern understanding of dinosaurs. So I had to see them up close where they did the dermal spines they have uh, the uh, patterns. Uh, in fact, in the second book I'm writing, a Triceratops didn't have three horns. It had five horns, Cinchoceratops. Mm -hmm. There's only two of the horns that are on the side that have been found. They all broke off the crest, but the best preserved one is in the Smithsonian. And a guy at the Smithsonian had read my book and uh, in charge of collections of fossils, and he sent me some information. So also the skin pattern on the back of a um, Triceratops, and it had a little dermal ridge in the back. The Lane mm -hmm. Triceratops in 2001 is the best preserved piece of Triceratops skin. It's about the size of a tabletop, and uh, we can see the large uh, like uh, and about the size, about that size. Uh, kind of like a, a spherical? Yeah, spherical. They don't connect. Uh, dinosaur skin was different from reptile skin, and it didn't overlap 
display scales on the reptile do like a snake. They're more like the cassowary bore bird. Um, uh-huh. And I'm not saying they're related to birds. I'm just saying it looks that, mm-hmm. that kind of, of pattern. As I believe is a common designer that God uses similar things. Uh, also, um, let's see, we've got petroglyphs, petrographs, uh, a number of fabrics. The, uh, the Paracas people, for instance, from four to 600 uh, BC to about 200 AD, they were the most uh, exquisite workers in, in textiles, tightly woven, up to 690 threads per linear inch. And, and what uh, continent was that on? Uh, the Paracas people uh, are from Peru on the coast. Uh-huh. They're the coneheads. And uh, I did the first DNA ever. Uh, and they are not Nephilim, some kind of hybrids mm-hmm. of you know, angels having yeah. sexually with women, and they're not uh, aliens. Uh, they are definitely distinctively uh, their their DNA goes back to the Middle East. And Liberty University uh, did the samples, and so this was written up in a little journal article a couple of years ago. And so further research, more information is going, and uh, they built their homes in the sand dunes. Mm-hmm. underground and they might have cooked on the top with fires but they lived in the sand so they're quite a curious group of people and because the Atacama desert is the driest place on the planet almost no measurable moisture there's people who have lived there who have never seen rain and wow. so once it was buried in the tomb and they do the sides with a certain type bricks and then the harengo woods at the top then is buried it's sealed and uh, it stays uh, incredibly preserved. In fact, it looks like somebody's been dead a couple of years, not mm-hmm. 2,000 years or so. Oh, so, so I, these well, are the mummies that we, we see sometimes that have been completely preserved in the, the dry desert yeah. sands? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I had one of the best preserved skulls. I'm also trying to work with some people to get a, a really one that's well preserved with skin to show that they're that none of them that we've ever found of the Paracas people are over five, two and a half. They were slightly larger than the other people. The Incas, the Noscans, all of them were very small people. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have what is called a Chosky, the Inca runners. They had a network of over 2,800 miles from up near Ecuador all the way down to uh, Argentina below uh, almost the end of Argentina, and they could do it within about uh, 12 days, 10, 12 days. Chaskis wow. were the runners. They had the talking knots. I have the kipus. I have some of those with the talking knots, and I have one of the canteens, which is about the size of a dinner plate, and on it are two dinosaurs. And I have a Tiwanaka canteen that has two stegosaurus dinosaurs on the wow. top. So this has been authenticated with thermoluminescent dating, too. It dates to about 800 years ago. So I have a number of these items. Uh, what's fact, the advantage of, um, sorry to interrupt you, but what's the advantage of thermoluminescent dating over um, well, 14 or something like that? that? They're not recently manufactured. Uh, uh-huh. In other words, when they do the bombardment, it can tell uh, with the, the gases and stuff that burn off within a 150 to 200 years uh, right. of how old they are. It's not absolute, but can certainly outroll fakes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I did uh, about 14 of them, 12, 14 of them of different pieces I have to authenticate them because I'm trying to finish another book. Uh-huh. And some of them are quite uh, astonishing. I happen to have them in my house, in fact. So uh, these pieces of evidence are, are very hard to overcome. Um, uh-huh. And uh, the best of the ecostones. Uh, there's plenty of fakes, ink stones, but also when there's something, even though it's very dry, a little bit of patina will cover cover. Uh-huh. Uh, a modern pieces that people try to carve, uh, they use like hacksaw blades or other metals, and you will see the tiny residue under a microscope. Uh, and you find the evidence also causes the feldspar. It's a, it, the andesite stones. Some of them are very hard, but if you break the surface, there's little bits of quartz and feldspar, and uh-huh. it'll it'll glint back to you, and you can see it. But if it's old, I have some that are old, that uh, that they're covered with patina, and you don't have that. Also, so the I guess it's quite probably quite easy to to um, authenticate the systems. So yeah, uh, ancient stones in that case in carvings it, because without the patina, you don't have the age. It is also stuff that's right out of the tomb. They're not contaminated by the modern environment. Uh-huh. Modern environment, regardless, you will have a little bit of plastic or cloth. And people who try to use fillers on the stones, uh, when they do that, they they leave a little bit a tiny bit of plastic or there's a tiny bit of hair or a piece of cloth embedded you always find that and so when you do a test like i did it at uh kim lab it's in uh, westland oregon and they can tell exactly you can see it under the microscope i also did an experiment where i had a fake stone carved by a guy, guy named basilio Uchua, uh who was supposed to be the guy who carved all these, but his stone, uh, in fact, I have one right here, a stone, it's, uh, you can tell the sharp grooves, you can see it's recently carved, and then what they did is a kind of a shoe polish, whereas a real one will have stuff inside of it, mm-hmm. like it says two dinosaurs, and then also, it has a little bit of covering of patina, and this is tar from a tar pit and neil steedy was a skeptic and uh, archaeologist and him another guy made a video and he scraped one of the stones but then the little pieces of wood in it uh-huh. it dated like something 1500 years old uh-huh. so and this is the best one it's got two dinosaurs on it and you can see it's covered with patina um, I, I I can't see actually, Dennis, because you don't have your camera. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry, I forgot. No, sorry. But I have a poster <laughs> and stuff. I'm forgetting yeah. that you don't have the camera. No, but, but I, I'll, I'll I'll pop some pictures up with the interview as well to to, to show them yeah, some of the things we're talking uh, about. Mm. I brought in some stones and things, but uh, so these are all things that mitigate against it being being fakes. Also uh-huh. on the stones are dermal dermal spines that i mentioned uh dermal yes. spines now what, what is the, the um 
what is the situation with that? So you, you mentioned that the, the dermal, uh, the spines, the frills. The spines that... on the back. Mm. If you look at all textbooks, even till about 2000, they started changing. Uh-huh. There was a guy named Steven Zirkus who lived in Utah, mm-hmm. and he was at the uh, fossils in uh, Wyoming. And he found the evidence. It shows that the back of dinosaurs, they weren't smooth like elephants, mm-hmm. smooth and wrinkly some, but they had like scoots or different triangular uh-huh. shapes, small, uh, similar to uh, an alligator or a crocodile. Mm-hmm. And so some of them had larger ones, but now we know that they look like that. Also, some of the best preserved fossil skins uh, show that they had uh, patterns uh, like rosetta patterns mm. in skin and stuff. So the Inca stones have it correctly portrayed. And they also have, where if you go back 70s and 80s even, uh, early 90s, they would mm. depict the dinosaurs uh, with their tails dragging. Now we know that even the sauropods, the larger ones, like Diplodocus walked with their tails straight out. And so the Inca stones have stones with the dinosaurs walking. You know, it shows that their tail is straight out when they're walking. And, and um, where they found the Inca stones? Because I, I'm assuming since we've only just found this out, the, uh, dinosaurs. Uh, very interesting. Uh, and I have to go into the archives of my mind. Hmm. The first mention is around 1535. Oh, okay. So a while before we... We knew about dinosaurs. Uh, it's associated, although they don't come all from the Ica Indians. Mm-hmm. The modern town is called Ica, but there were a group of Indians there called the Ica Indians, uh-huh. I-C-A. And uh, Father Simeon was traveling with Pizarro, the conqueror of the Incas, and he came to this place where the Ica Indians lived, and he's the first one that documented uh, the Ica stones. And then there was another guy who was a chronicle, which I don't pronounce names right, but it's Juan de Paracute. Mm. He was an Indian, and also his his father was Spanish, his mother was an Indian, and he was a chronicler. And he also mentions the strange engraved stones of Ica. Now, in 2002, I was doing a thing with people who were filming for National Geographic. The one thing is, is the uh, Nazca lines where there's the big geoglyphs, all different kinds of designs and uh, long lines. Uh, Because it doesn't rain, they're still there, done by the Noskan people from about 300 B.C. to 800 or 900 A.D. And uh, we've documented that there are three uh, places there where they did uh, dinosaurs. Uh, There is one on Palpa, which the people don't really fly over. Uh, I spotted it a few years ago. Another guy, Edwarder Haran, was a pilot who took me over this wow. place. And there is a, a similar to a Striarchosaurus. It's about 50 uh, meters long. And it doesn't look exactly, exactly like a Striarchosaurus, uh-huh. but it's similar. You can tell it's a dinosaur with a frill in the back. You know. so, and, that is uh, fascinating. Yeah, and uh, a number of cloths and pieces of pottery that the Noskins made that have dinosaurs on them. Uh, and they're very, 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 very wealthy people mm-hmm. who collect this stuff. 
fortunately, there are some people who help me uh, and let me have some of the items. Technically, uh, but nobody believes it would be real anywhere anyway because they have dinosaurs on them, uh, the yes. fab and the, and the vases and stuff. So, but I'm assuming that they believe everything else found from that culture is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's, no that's a regular. And also, uh, an absolute idiot would think that they could manufacture modern pottery mm -hmm. and look like the ancient. No, it's not the same firing process. They used very hard word called harango. They also used different uh, mixtures of minerals and things. Mm -hmm. We can't get the same color combination. Uh, the same. Uh, also, in regards to that, when something is really old, you know it's old. You can see different features of it. Mm -hmm. If something's made, you know, 20 years ago or something, you can tell it easily. It's a modern piece of pottery. Also, the people who do pottery down there, you know, we tested this, and they'll tell you, we, they cannot make it the way those people did, as thin around the sides and stuff. They just don't have any process. They've tried. So if you buy a piece of pottery from them, it's thicker and it's bright colored. And uh, where the old ones also, some many of them, because they're very old, they'll have a little chunk out of the bottom, just a little round circle. And what happens is over time, there's a weak spot in the pottery. It uh, causes that to happen. And... Of course, if you have something 1,500 years in a tomb, even, mm. that's going to show the effects. I think that's reasonable wear and tear. I uh, don't think I have any pots here in the house that will last that long, that's for sure. Um, now, talking about the, the Ica stones, and let's talk about what's on them. So there are, there are pictures of dinosaurs on them showing um, things like uh, scoots, um, back frills, and something we didn't know about until recently, showing mm. spiracles and the different type of skin they had. Again, we didn't know that until recently when we found examples of a fossilized uh, uh, skin. Also, in many of them, like this stone I have uh, that's well-preserved, it has a lot of patina on it. In 2001, there was a guy named Lawrence Whitmar mm -hmm. who did extensive study of dinosaur skulls. And dinosaurs had their nostrils at the very front. Mm -hmm. That's important because other people believe that they were semi-aquatic and uh -huh. so they put the nostrils a little bit up further. The things like the stones I have, the nostrils are in the correct place. The stones that you have? Yeah, the nostrils are in the correct place. Uh-huh. Which is and the front. It's not me saying that. It's also the guys who worked at the Smithsonian and things. Uh -huh. They pointed it out when they sent me the information. Of course, they don't come out in the open because it's a career-threatening injury. Mm. If you vouch and show that something a creationist has is mm. authentic. Um, well, yeah, so, I, I suppose that would be the death knell to a lot of uh, careers out there. Uh, and with that kind of motivation, I suppose um, you can't really blame individuals for, for being uh, discreet. Um, now, talking about the, the types of dinosaurs on the stones, you, you've obviously seen a lot of these stones. You've, you've got to witness them. Um, uh, what, I, what I also, of... I'm probably the only person 
that uh, exist, except maybe one other guy. This is about 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, we took pictures of every stone there. Wow. And, and uh, now it's a hostile environment. Uh, they won't let people take pictures. They don't want creationists in there. Uh, the, uh, the the son of uh, uh, Javier Cabrera, uh, they, they they believe other things. They believe the alien theories and stuff. Uh, okay. But uh, definitely you have you have the correction, as I said, the dermal spines. You have about four different types of patterns of skin that has been proved correctly. You also have on some of the stones the correct placement of the legs. They're not splayed out. Some people thought they were so heavy, they would be more like a, an alligator or something, their legs out like this. They're up, they're different. Um, of course, there's varying degrees of artistic ability where some stones are, are very, very incredible. Uh, other stones are primitive, but you know they're, they're depicting dinosaurs. Also, there is this fact that uh, a certo uh, uh, Alexander Hanto certo, um, he was the number two Peruvian archaeologist. He died about maybe ten years ago. Uh, he was so famous, and in an independent uh, excavation out in Okahai near Ica, he found some engraved stones. And uh, a guy named Dave Watzel, uh, who does cryptology, some of it, uh, we did an article, and it was very difficult because even creationists, while they say they believe, they don't believe. Uh -huh. It's it's amazing how much unbelief believing believers are um, unbelievers. Sure. Uh, what, what do you mean so, by uh, when they say they believe, even when they say they believe, they don't? That, are you uh, saying that? With faced with the evidence, well, they have to accept that certainly if that would be the case, mm -hmm. they would have it or they uh -huh. would know about it. Uh -huh. but, okay, uh, there's where I'm a supernaturalist in a sense, it is a series of things that I never set out to do that happened. For instance, in 1979, I went with my father to Chaco Canyon. And I picked up a book. I was at the time a theistic evolutionist, but I picked up a book by Franz Barn. And in the back were unexplained petroglyphs. And I contacted him, and he'd never seen them. So that sent me, uh, when I heard of creationists in 1985, and I heard this, and I tricked about the book, I went searching for these petroglyphs in uh, Utah, and then by chance, I also went and found another one of a Triceratops that's authentic. Only a handful of people have seen it, uh, but it is also Anastasis. It's about 300 BC, 1200 AD period of time. Um, you can't date it precisely, but you know something's not recent because when they do these things, uh, they're a pitting and grooving and uh, if you did it on a fresh thing, you could tell it. I mean, you just just mm. once you break the surface, it's very bright. Oh yes, so I understand. That's, that's me off. And then other things happened. And then in the early '90s, I went to Peru. I was robbed. I went to see the Ica stones, 
and I was robbed. But in see, I believe I believe in the supernatural. So by out of that, I was delayed, and some other things happened. Mm-hmm. I went to Nazca, and I happened to run into somebody selling some stuff out at the airport, a few antiquities. So I asked him if they had others, and they took me and his mother. They, you know, they were grave robbers. And as uh-huh. I as I was looking through all the fabrics, there was a piece of fabric that was uh, Noskin, very deteriorated, but it had dinosaurs on it. Wow. So one thing led to another. Like, I, I'm a pastor, and, uh, you know, it's not a question of bias. It's one of the best bias to be biased with. You can't bypass your bias. So I'm going to have a bias, but okay. and evidence is either going to come or is either going to be there or not. Mm-hmm. And so out of that whole thing, uh, this family, because I know other pastors, grave robbers know other grave robbers. Mm. And so through time and through the network, they when they find something that's like that and unexplained, of course, there's a few times where there's guys who are have many millions of dollars they get something before I ever get it. So they have it in their mm-hmm. private collections. Um, but but I have, uh, like I said, about 40 items now. That's and I'm trying. What? That's a lot. Uh, it's, yeah, it's something. I, I mean, that, that's a lot of items. That's a great collection. Uh, my house is kind of like a museum <laughs> in a way. Um, and so I'm trying to document all these things. Uh-huh. Every time an old person dies, it's like a library burning down. No, I understand that actually, and I I, I believe the point. same thing, which is and, why it's and, so important and, and to people to have these information. Things. And it's so I'm trying to finish these other two books, and mm. and it's slow, and uh, but uh, and plus you have to do all the things that answers the critics ahead of time. Mm-hmm. with testing and stuff so that's being compiled and and seeing what's going to happen and, and hopefully um, you know that uh you know if there would be any place where something could be preserved as a mummy could be peru in the altacaba desert or down in chile or argentina where the desert is mm-hmm. uh, maybe somebody buried a little Dinosaur mummy, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? That would be amazing, actually. Now, talking about stuff like that, you said that you were robbed uh, in Peru. Um, yeah. Have there been other moments uh, when the locals or wildlife in, in the locations you've gone to have, have been a danger to you? What, what kind of experiences have you had on expedition? Well, you know, here we are is, a, a, you know, we we live in this world where we think only what we see exists. Uh-huh. But in Peru and some Bolivian places like that, there's shamans. Mm -hmm. And people may not believe that there are demons, Mm -hmm. um, but they exist. Uh So what they do, they know when there is a disturbance around them. You know, like the demons will come back and tell them certain things. Uh So to not think that you won't be targeted... Uh-huh. You can't be targeted. I mean, just a few times are just bizarre things. One time I was with my wife, and all of a sudden, in this one area, a guy comes right over into our lane, 
and he's driving right towards us. I try to go to right, and he's coming straight at us, and he's laughing. Wow. And, yeah. And then uh, a few years ago, in the same area, the same spot, within a quarter of a mile, we were hit by a vehicle. Wow. A guy in a sports car hit the side of the van and bounced off and went in between a telephone pole and his house. So, you know, there are many other things that have happened mm. that are just, uh, you know, you start thinking there, you know, people don't believe there's another dimension. Mm-hmm. But when you deal with these people, even if you've ever watched River Monsters, you ever watch that guy? Yes, of course. Uh, he's had a couple of encounters where they went to the witch doctor and stuff. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden, things begin to happen. Yes. Uh, you oh, know, just, it's uh, this is another thing that people... Yeah, it surprised me when he did that, actually, because he's yeah. always coming from a very scientific point of view in his shows, and then he yeah. seemed invested in it, at least. Yeah. Uh, or at least well, like he may be paying... Uh, Mongolia, yeah. the person, the woman changes and she speaks as a man. I mean, uh-huh. completely different voice. I mean, it was a, he's like a bizarre. Her eyes changes, and uh, all these other things begin to happen. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, you know, people don't think there's another dimension, but there is. Well, and often when they do, you know, they've got very different ideas about it. I often talk, when I'm talking to people that follow my work, the few people that follow my investigations, I often say to them, look, you know, when I'm writing this, I know that my belief set, you know, my what I believe in is Christianity. That's, um, I know it's, I, I know I believe it truly, but it's I accept from your point of view it's my world view, and yeah. it's it's practically impossible. Even though I'm not writing about Christ, Christianity here, but about cryptozoology, yeah. it's impossible to not be subjective to that worldview because of course it will dominate everything I investigate. Mm. I try to be as unbiased as I can, but mm. I accept that it's an impossibility. Um, mm. And I just give that to them up front. This is where yeah. I'm coming from. So. It's going to have a hand in it if you don't like it. Well, that's a shame. But you know, we've all got different yeah. ideas on things, and um, and different you know levels to which we believe them. Now, my wife is 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 Jewish. She's from the land of Israel, mm-hmm. and um, we have children and people, various people in my family, so have different beliefs. Again, so you know, it um, having that kind of family experience allows you to tap into the fact of okay people are going to think differently to you so you might as well just stick to your guns and they accept it or they don't mm. that's kind of where we come from but i know from your point of view people like yourself and dr Patton, obviously this is your your mission statement is to to prove the truth of the bible and creation through finding these evidences which i don't think is a problem really um i don't doubt that there's some reality to these icker stones and I've been fascinated by them for, for such a long time. Even when you look at the time that um, they were discovered, that's before we knew about the, mm-hmm. as you say, the, the spiracles and the, the dermal mm-hmm. ridges and um, the spines and things like that. So well, that's, even that's an insight, really, that, that he couldn't have known about even if he faked them, right? Uh, right. And one stone I have, I know some people you know, that are grave robbers. And... Uh, down in Nazca, and the sun, they were digging in a place near uh, the uh, Rio uh, 
Grande, which is just a little tiny stream. That, and they were, by there was the ancient irrigation fields and stuff where they grew some crops uh, a few miles from Nazca. And uh, they were, you know, they're, they're looting a grave. And they take a stone, and they I have that stone now, but it was getting toward dusk. They couldn't see there was an image on it. They just turned it over, and a couple of them, they got a, a marker, and they were going to play tic-tac-toe. <laughs> when they looked at it, they could see there was engravings on it. So wow. there's two dinosaurs in that stone. And they've been authenticated and stuff. Uh, Giuseppe Orifica, who's the Italian, who's doing the archaeological work at Korowasi, the great... They're pyramids, gigantic pyramids, almost the size of the Giza pyramids. They're made out of clay, but they're buried. Uh And it's in the desert by Nazca, and they uh, have figures around them, too. Uh, So they're excavating some of them, uh, part of it. But uh, this has been authenticated, too. And this stone I have with these two dinosaurs. And there's also an engraved stone at the Nazca Museum Mm -hmm. that they found. Um, And that has like a a mountain lion and some other animals on it, not a dinosaur. But in 2001, I was filming with National Geographic. And... uh, we were digging, the grave robbers were digging at Inca Chicha, the Inca Chicha Peaceful. And when they opened up one tomb, there was an engraved stone. Wow. Uh, it didn't have dinosaurs on it, but it's engraved. It proves the point. Uh, the Aeronautical Museum um, for the Air and Space is in the Las Palmas Air Force Base in Lima. And they have a museum there, and there's an engraved stone in the in the case. But there used to be 51 stones, and some of them had dinosaurs on them. But when I got rooting around and got in there about 2004, and we took pictures and things, then the stones disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, they got rid of them by letting different guys on the base take them home, you know, different soldiers or colonels or whatever, and they got rid of them. Because it's so controversial and so problematic for them. When, when it comes to that, that kind of problematic uh, situation, have you experienced uh, elements of cover-ups or um, or stonewalling when you've been trying to, to get access to things that you know have existed? Uh, yes. For instance, there's the Ica Regional Museum. Uh-huh. And they used to have maybe 300 stones. And uh, during the 60s, when Javier Cabrera started working, some of the stones came from actual excavations. A few of them were from the uh, uh, the Soldi brothers, Carlos and his brother Pablo Soldi in Okahaje. They were they were fairly well to do. You know, they were uh, raised uh, grapes and made wine, and they also dug some tombs on the side and those stones were in uh, the Ica region museum part of them dr cabrera got see so people say oh these are all fake but uh-huh. he got from the Ica museum and there's 121 of those stones left in the Ica regional museum wow. so they denied it they said we don't have anything like that 
And while they were denying it, they said, no, that uh, Serto never wrote a book. He never said anything about that. So I was talking to the director and I reached up to the bookshelf above his head and I said, is this the book you don't have? <laughs> but they refused to let me see the stones and photograph them. So I had to go to the Ica main headquarters that was above the museum and they granted me to do that. So I, I saw maybe 60 of them or so and photographed them. They, they wouldn't let me do everything. They wanted me out of there. But uh, there's one with a, something that looks like a pterosaur. Wow. One of the stones. That's and others, uh, they're, they're some of the different style um, uh, than all of them that are at Cabrera's Museum. But there's also what's called Blanco, just the plain stone carved. Mm-hmm. And others have tar on it to lighten it. Some are in bas relief with a figure. The one stone I have here is bas relief where it's just a slightly raised. Uh-huh. So see it. And uh, many of these things just show that, uh, you know, this is evidence that certainly is hard to to overcome. I mean, it, it is really fascinating. And as I said before, it really has grabbed my interest for such a long time. You know, I've been intrigued by it because there's so many elements of it that because of the time when it was discovered would be difficult to fake. So, you know, it does seem to pass the test. There. Now, I know they're not alone, these Ica stones. There's something called the Acambro figures as well. Now, oh, where do they come from? And, um, and what part did you have in discovering I have that? some of those here at my house, too. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, Acambaro is about 180 miles north of Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, it is now a town, maybe 60,000 people. Uh, there was a guy who was a, a Voldemort Julesrud. He was a German guy, uh-huh. married a Spanish woman. He fought in World War One. He ran a uh, hardware store in Acambaro. And uh, he was out riding a horse on El Toro Mountain, the Bull Mountain, Mm -hmm. and he saw a piece of uh, pottery. And he got down and he picked it up. And after that, he he hired some guys to start digging. And the more they dug and stuff, they found more and more pieces. And Uh he paid some people a little bit of money, but it would be like, you know, 10 cents, something yeah. like that. You couldn't even make it, uh, you know, for probably couldn't make it for 10 cents. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it'd be ridiculous. Um, and in the process of that, he found uh, uh, there was a combination of about 33,000 pieces. Wow. And they're cataloged. He had a mansion connected to the hardware store. It took over everything. In fact, it, uh, you know, even his bathtub was filled with them. <laughs> Every room was filled with an uh, incredible amount of stuff. And uh, I have talked with people who went with him and his grandson one time, who's probably close to 70 years old now. Wow. Uh, and uh, he can remember as a kid going and they would dig and they would find it. I talked to a lawyer. I'm sure he's now deceased. But uh, in the process of things, near uh, Acambara was a place where they were digging, and he found some. 
um, intertwined in the Makara route. There was a uh, newspaper reporter, Los Angeles Times, mm -hmm. 1956, Lowell Hammer, and he went to Acambaro and had the same experience. And uh, he, he, he found some things and he filmed it on an old eight millimeter um, camera. Wow. And also there was about five articles written in the 50s. I have copies of this from Fate magazine, which is actually a kind of a offbeat, all kinds of things. I know Fate magazine. Yeah. Sure. So then in, uh, I had read about this as best I can remember when I was a kid. And after I met Don Patton, uh, Don wanted to contact me, and he never knew anything about this stuff, the actual evidence. Uh -huh. and, well, that was in 1996. And so he said, but then I took him to uh, Utah, uh, to, uh, to the, uh, the, the bridge, uh, Kachina Bridge in the National Park there. Uh, that wasn't even explored until 1961, wow. that place. But uh, it's a canyon area. And then we went to, I told him about Peru. He went to Peru with me, Paracas, to look at the possibility of a human fossilized skull next uh -huh. to a, a fossilized extinct turtle. And then uh, I told him about Acambaro. So we went to Acambaro three times. The first time we went there, of course, they deny. We went to the city government. Oh, we don't have anything like that. We don't know what you're talking about. So I give them the evidence. And over time, they allowed us uh, to, they were stored away in some building in these old crumbling cardboard boxes. And we took out and we probably took pictures of a few hundred of them. And then because of the uproar, we went to the officials. And the guy who later became the governor of not, I mean, the, the, the president of, of Mexico, uh -huh. Vicente Fox. He was the governor of that state. And uh -huh. then we went to the main headquarters and we talked to him. And one thing led to another and they were going to build a little museum in Acambaro. So then out of that, because we stirred up so much anxiety deaths, they filmed, I mean, they photographed what was remaining, which was about 20,000 of them. Also, during the the doing of this, they um, they also stole them, the officials, some of the best pieces. Wow. But there is a museum now uh, there, but everything is boxed up except, you know, maybe a couple of hundred items maximum of different things that give the history. They also put it in an area of town where people don't go. Uh -huh. See, <laughs> we're going to have it in the main plaza. Yeah, a lot of attention. So uh, yes, what I kind have, of? Um, I have about eight, eight of those. You have eight of those, and what, what, what type of dinosaurs do you have from that collection? What, what can you well, make out? Guanodon that was, uh -huh. uh, as you know, that was uh -huh. all wrongly until the nineties. Yes. Uh, they had it uh, standing up, or they had different features. The uh, Acambaro figures are correct. Um, and so I have some different Diplodocus dinosaurs. Um, uh, I even have one with a little guy who's on top of it. Uh -huh. uh, and this is where you run into trouble 
because thermoluminescent testing, they don't want to handle things. Mm -hmm. If they do, they'll try to give you a, a false date. They'll take something else because it's just too much for them. Oh, I see. So, you know, thermoluminescent laboratories authenticating pieces. Huh. But I do have um, uh, quite a few that have been. So I, I guess if they authenticated it, the, the laboratory would also probably take some heat for that. Yeah, at first. And then, I, you know, one day when I went to this one laboratory in Littleton, Colorado, and they cost about 250 to $300 a piece to, to authenticate, you know. It becomes very, very problematic yeah. because if, you know, and I said a little too much, but I was there for all day and we're rat giving them pieces and they drill with a little tiny drill and take out the contents. Uh, that became a problem because, you know, on pieces, some of them, they would give different dates. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A number of them were completely authenticated. Wow. They couldn't get around it. I mean, essentially, from your opinion, uh, Dennis, considering the time period in which they were discovered, and the um, the knowledge that we now have, like about things like the iguanodon that you have, is yeah. it going to be really impossible for people who've never seen these creatures to make that that depiction so accurately yeah. in a way that we've just found out about? I mean, surely that's the apart from the authentication, that's the strongest plus, isn't it, for them being authentic that we couldn't well, have had that knowledge a, before? There's quite a few items at an American university. I won't name because I want to go and take out the collection myself. Mm -hmm. um, but they they tried to make it that it was from the uh, comic books and stuff from the 40s and 50s. Uh -huh. Well, that's incorrect because they're not depicted like the dinosaurs in the comic books. Oh. In fact, you know, either that or poor campesinos, Mexican people in, are better paleontologists than the paleontologists. Yes. <laughs> Which is a bit of a stretch, really, isn't yeah, it? Right. So you got they got the iguanodon right, and it took you 40-something years. <laughs> I have one piece that's from it's Tiwanakan, not that's Tiwanaku. Um, it's a canteen with two stegosaurus on it. Uh, so it's not from Macambaro, but it has two stegosaurus, and it has the plates and a, a very distinctive kind of alignment. You know, because there's three different theories about where, how, how the plates go in stegosaurus bags. Uh -huh. Because there, every stegosaurus that ever has been found, the plates are not there. They're nearby, sure. yeah. so they don't know how they exactly. But these guys... Somebody's seeing a living one. They knew how to how to, to put it on there, and it's authenticated. So, wow. um, Acomparo is quite a mystery. In fact, the mayors. I used to some of these names used to readily come to mind, but this is in the nineties. There's Japanese who came, and filmed, and they did a program in Japan. And I have the I have an old VHS from that, mm -hmm. but they they looted part of the collection too. Oh. In fact, there is a dinosaur 
that's from Argentina that has a really strange frill in the back. Mm. And there's that identical dinosaur is in the Alcambara collection. But oh, that Yes, I seem to remember seeing that picture. And it also has a, a small horn on the front of the nose. Is that right? Uh, this has the... kind of a sail. It's mm. kind of, it looks like a big frill on the back. Yeah, like a, a big frill. No, I, I think I know the one you mean. Uh, and so uh, then um, uh, in top of that, the mayor at the time, he, he looted probably a few hundred of them. Some of the best pieces of the dinosaurs. But even saying that, uh, when they took the pictures, uh, I have the entire, every, every, the pictures that were done professionally uh, in about 2000. I have all those on two different discs. So I have the entire collection on disc. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, it really is a privilege. And obviously, you, you put yourself out there and you've, you found these things you've struggled to, to bring them to attention I, I think that that's fantastic now what i'd like to know maybe the listeners might like to find out is how do you plan your expeditions you know as a religious person do you feel like you're called to something or do you feel that the call from god essentially is you go out and you put yourself um, into something that's worthwhile and and purposeful how do you how do you decide what you're going to investigate next yeah. You know, this is, um, you, for instance, uh, Tiger Woods, when he was at the top of his golf yeah. game, you know, he was sponsored by Nike and mm. by the Titleist Golf. And uh, LeBron James, the basketball player, is sponsored by the Los Angeles Lakers and Spalding Basketball. Dale Earnhardt was sponsored by Fram and Texaco. Well, I'm sponsored by the living God. And so the question is, he, in a way, orders steps that you don't face the future like your head forward. Mm. It's like your hand is behind you and he sees the future and you put your hand in his hand. Uh -huh. And then when you look back as you walk, that's the Hebrew understanding of future. Yeah. And you see it unfolding. So I couldn't have orchestrated these things, um, you know, from the day I went, my dad got that, that book, mm. um, having a creation speaker come to the church, mm -hmm. a guy named Don Chittick, which I was reluctant at the time to uh -huh. let him speak because it, I thought it would cause division. It didn't. There's always an organized blood clot. There's always somebody disagrees. But sure. In the middle of all that, just one thing after another led to these things. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's, to, it's interesting to, to me that the, um, sorry to cut across you there, but it's interesting to me how each individual person comes onto their, their journey. So for me, for example, I became a Christian when I was 16 in the Baptist church. And um, Ron, Ron Wyatt came to our church in Wales, yes. England and gave um, a speech on cryptozoology yeah. and uh, or creationism as he called it then but essentially it was things about Nessie and you know the Xeomaro carcass and all these different other things and that kind of switched me on to it then and I was still like yourself at the point a theistic evolutionist for a long 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 time mm -hmm. because of course science proved it so why should I disagree with that you know and I found all the normal mental twists and turns that one would take 
to um, infer that God created the world through evolutionary processes until I found out about um, correlation, fossil dating and correlation. And once I yeah. Once I found out that, I mean, I, I know it's not as simple as this, but once I found out that the simple principle was essentially, you know, you use the rock layers to date how old the fossils are, or the fossils to date how old the rock layers are, sorry, and then yeah. that same rock layer to date that fossil, and they don't come from the same place, they don't exist in mm -hmm. any order anywhere. As soon as I found out, I was like, well, this is insane. This isn't scientific. <laughs> What have I been listening to all these years? This doesn't seem to make any sense. I know a lot of materialists or uh, you know scientific friends would take umbrage with me over that, but that, that is the basic principle of fossil dating. So, you know, essentially, we can't prove anything is any age, um, in that sense. Yeah. And it just seemed to be a fallacy to me. And then I started looking, and, and I found a few talks by Don Patton and a few talks by Ken Hoven in the early days, and. I thought, well, this is interesting. Let's um, let's see how this fits into, you know, this cryptozoology that I'm interested in. Um, just coming back onto to you know your life in this now. How long have you been doing this for? Well, the first time I came across these things was 1979. Okay. Um, but when I became active in searching and finding things is 1986. Uh -huh. That's been a long time. That's a long time. I was ten years old. <laughs> yeah, I was ten years old. And um, obviously, you're looking at dinosaurs and man coexisting in the past. But have you ever investigated stories of, of living dinosaurs that are supposedly around at the moment? Oh, yeah, often on. I've never gone searching for them, but for instance, pterosaurs in the Sierra Madre Occidental Mountains of Mexico, for instance, mm -hmm. there's a possibility because some have been spotted there. Um, and during specific storms, it seems that some of them have, uh, you know, been spotted after intense storms in the Big Bend area of mm -hmm. Texas. Now, some of these places, you, you won't find hardly anybody lives there. So that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I've had friends, some of them, still my friends, like William Gibbons, searching for Makila Bibimbe. Oh, Bill Gibbons is a friend of yours. Yes, yeah. I, I like his work. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, I don't know. I've had, I did have the world's largest creation conference, but I haven't done it for a couple of years. It became harder and harder simply because. Yeah. People don't buy books anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, as time goes, people don't watch even TVs that much. They used to sell a lot of books and materials, but yeah. people are not as uh, as active in research and things. Um, in far as really reading, um, yeah, I, I do think that the um, the attention span has dropped significantly. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, somebody of my age in in the early forties, um, and just sort of sitting on on the fence between those two generations in a way and it's quite clear to see even 10 15 years below me that the the attention level has significantly dropped at least the the will yeah. to pay attention to something and and find out what it means now um you mentioned bill gibbons uh, william gibbons mckillian bembe and there's lots of 
other dinosaur stories like that. Do you do you have an idea? I mean, these dinosaurs that are supposedly around in, in places like the Congo or, as they say, in the Sierra Madre, pterosaurs, uh, uh, Diplodocus, you know, perhaps Stegosaurs, some people have mentioned some sort of um, one-horned Triceratops or Styracosaurus, these types of things. Uh, the Burringer of Australia, I always think of mm-hmm. that, that Rex and Heather Gilroy say some sort of Tyrannosaurus Rex. Do you think that these particular dinosaurs that are allegedly around uh, Nessie, etc., today, are, are they depicted in the things that you've seen? Are they the ones that are most often depicted? or they're... Well, um, you know, surprisingly, like in the Arcambaro collection, mm. there are definitely things that we would call that look like Bigfoot. Oh, um, yes. I don't know everything about Bigfoot. I do know that... Uh, there was a guy, the Cryptological Society down in Arizona. I was there a number of years ago. In fact, I have every one of their journals here at my house. Um, But, um, you know, they had some hair samples that were unexplained. Um, And one time I spoke at, there was to be the Bigfoot, Western Bigfoot Society of America. Uh And they have a lot of castings. Um, and so I have some foot cast of some Bigfoot because I live here in a heavily forested area. Uh, in fact, you could go probably 20 miles from here and the forest is so thick, you know, you cannot even move through it. Wow. And there's some places you, it's just, you're, you'd be totally alone. Oh, you're in Oregon, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Oregon. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So there are guys that are, are out there doing it. I've had them speak at the conference, but then after a while, I said, you know, we got to have a good picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> after a while. <laughs> I mean, um, I and then there's some people out of the conference that, you know, that because I had Bill Gibbons, I think I had him three times. There's some people who funded his Congo expeditions, mm-hmm. but even the pygmies don't live in the deepest place. No, I'm sure they live on the, the peripheral yeah, edges of the swamp where they the, can... Yeah. Same as in the Amazon. There's so many bugs, and yeah, I yeah. have uh, huge bugs. I mean, I have like a scorpion. It's, it's uh, at least a foot long from right. Indonesia in the jungle, and I have these bugs that are gigantic, and there is in uh, parts Puzzles of... or... Uh, uh, no, living ones. Preserved. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, they're living ones. Uh, in fact, I was just searching because uh, for, uh, you know, there is, and you've probably seen it, um, but I was, uh, I've been there since the jungle, the beginning of the Amazon in uh, Peru. Uh-huh. And there is this place where there's a little uh, village, less than 100 people, they're, they're, they're growing coffee there. But it was a guy going along a trail a few years ago, and, you know, he went off on the air, other areas exploring, exploring, and it came to little hills. And everything's covered by, you know, the forest, heavy forest, yeah. butterflies everywhere, uh, strange parrots that build these nests out of out of sticks, and uh, they look like giant bee, uh, beehives. <laughs> I thought it was some kind of beehives, but they're birds that built these nests. And... Uh, He's going up there, and he came to an area 
there's not more than maybe 30 of these pictographs. And one of them is a dinosaur with eight guys surrounding him with spears and bows and arrows. So I went there. I've been there and went up there because uh, one of the guys from the village uh, took me in there um, with another guy who's a travel guy I've known for many years because uh-huh. of people down the pro. So that, that'll also be in the book, too. That's, that's I mean, that's fascinating. Um, talking about In these. fact, it's in a little museum now. I mean, they don't have a problem. I mean, it's, they're so poor. I wouldn't, by any standard, it, you'd say this is a museum, but it has a few items. They have a big mural painting of, the, of an Indian doing the dinosaur and other stuff. And the archaeologists there, a few of them, they don't have any trouble accepting it. They they put it about 5,000 years ago in their estimation, but and there's no absolute way to date some of that stuff. No, that's that's what I thought, really. And it's the same with, with so many things. You know, there has to be some sort of circumstantial evidence to, to find that date. You can definitely tell if it was recent, though, you know, the, the colors and stuff. Now, so. just... just as a as a sort of a, a wrap up here for people that that might be interested in investigating some of these things what advice would you give to them to if they want to find out more about the Ica stones where can they go to to find evidence online and and pictures and things like that well you know i have this a book um the Ica stones uh, and about dinosaurs and man living together uh, that's probably the most comprehensive thing wow. definitely has ever been written about the Ecostones. Um, because I found that the people who try to dismiss it have never even gone and studied and photographed wow. it. They wow. will immediately say, well, yeah, but they don't look like dinosaurs. Or, uh, for instance, the mochi, the mochis who did the stirrup pots with uh, white and it was a kind of a reddish cream. All of them are that way, except they they also painted on them. Uh-huh. And people will say, oh, yeah, well, it looks like a dinosaur, but it's got two heads. Uh-huh. Well, most of them are like that, but not all of them. Uh-huh. Also, they did monkeys with two heads. And if you understand the mochi, they, the, the, well, we can tell about them, they believe that if an animal had great strength in his tail, like a monkey, see, hanging from limbs on it, and a dinosaur would have a lot of strength in his tail, they put a head at the end. I see, so, I see. But why would they do dinosaurs? But they also do monkeys that look normal. Well, and I mean. done a few dinosaurs that look normal. Yeah. So and our cultures have, have uh, historically represented uh, things in a, in a uh, superstitious way as well. In the same uh, with creationists, like creationist.org or Answers in Genesis uh-huh. or Institute of Creation Research. Uh, it reminds me when I was within the Soviet Union, uh, KGB. You uh-huh. know, anything that has, uh, is it alphabet? AIG, KGB, ICR, <laughs> CSM, it worries me. Yeah. And so they're very protective, and they never went and studied it, yeah. but they're sure it's not true. Yeah. And 
they will point out, oh, look, there's a dinosaur. Well, he's not moving. He, he, <laughs> his tail doesn't tick out when he's moving. And they bombard it that way. Or because we put, we actually got an article published in the Creations Journal. You can go into creationism.org. And they put it there. But there was a firestorm. They came out against it. They came out against the people in Australia that allowed Dave and my article to be published. So they have some very, very interesting viewpoints. Uh, and I've shown them some stuff, and they just they just can't fathom that this is possible. Well, have you ever been to Peru? I said, have you ever been to Peru? Mm. Have you ever seen a tomb? Have you ever investigated fabrics? Then why are pre-Columbian authorities? There's another guy, Vance uh, Nelson. He saw something you know, on my website. There's a vase that has a dinosaur. It's Paracas. Uh -huh. That Paracas, that dinosaur was found about 2007. It has a very unusual eye socket. Mm -hmm. But you look at it. So he texted me, and I took him different places. And he, he's written a couple of books about dinosaurs and man. But then they bombard you with... Oh, that can't be. That's just too good. Well, no. Uh, we get the we, same thing all the time. It, the picture is either too good or it's too blurry. Um, if it's too blurry, then it could be anything. If it's too good, yeah. then you must have faked it. Um, yeah. And that's always the uh, yeah. That was the 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 um, the double standard. But I think the general, I mean, the general view is that if minds are made up, they're very hard to change, regardless of what. Um, you show people because these things are philosophical and if your worldview is based upon something that is secure you're asking a big ask from people you're asking people to say uh, to accept that their worldview may not be the correct one that yeah. takes a big change so well, I, I don't whenever uh, anybody objects i say well that's fine you know have a think about this stuff it's a big decision i treat them like they're buying a house or something you know this is a big ask go back and think about it look at the proposition again and see what you think, because I think if people are given wriggle room, sometimes they'll come around. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 uh, this is uh, is is all part of it, you know. If you the the, the purple in the church mm. when they accept Christ, it takes theologians to mess stuff up. Because, you know, there's theologians who believe the Bible's inspired in spots, and they're inspired to spot the spots, and others are inspired <laughs> to spot the spots they didn't spot. So they can tell you what's inspired and what's not. Well, it's not a spotty book. It's not a Dalmatian yeah. deity like, yeah. a, like a, a dog, you know, a Dalmatian dog. It's spot yeah. on. And so the, the question is, when they begin to look at it, yeah. and uh, you say, okay, but there's the complete erosion, and we're facing that so much in America. Oh, I think so. Yeah. There's almost hardly any colleges or universities who believe that the scripture is really oh, correct. I mean, I, and I'm in the UK, I would say next to none or none at all. Yeah. So when I was in university, I studied uh, theology and Hellenistic Greek. Uh, I initially had intended to become a pastor. I was very young, I was 24. And, I decided not to do it, but um, at that time we attended a Baptist school as well as uh, did a, a university course. So 
you know, it was it was all part and parcel of it. But you had to have your your biblical school to run alongside the yeah. the degree, and I think that's a that's a good way to do it. But there were essentially no, you know, no religious universities at all. I I don't think we've really had anything like that for a very very long time. Apart from the Catholics, maybe they've got their seminaries, um, but even they went to the university alongside us. Now yeah. I think it's um. You know, it's a real pleasure to find out about everything that you've you've done. It's, it seems like an exciting thing, and as you say, you know, people who spend a long time um, searching into stuff, you know, sooner or later in the future, when when people pass on and other people come up, that information is lost. And I'm I'm glad that you, at this yeah. still healthy and young age, are sharing what you have and and letting us all know what you found out. I would advise anybody out there to to get your book, Secrets of the Acre Stones and Nazca Lines. And uh, that's available on Amazon. I, I've just put it on my wish list today, so I'll be reading that very soon. And, and uh, Dennis, I'd just like to say thank you so much for coming oh, on the show. Thank you. God bless you, friend. You too. Thanks God for having you. me. Okay. Bye-bye.